Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we get so excited for Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery, with an emphasis today on that excitement of Discovery. More on that in just a moment, but first, I will wave hello across the wide, wide Atlantic Ocean, across the roiling waves, past the Iberian Peninsula, all the way up to London, where resides one Ed Pocock. Ed, hello, how are you? Hello, Zach. It's wonderful to speak to you. I am actually in quarantine at the moment, um, mm. which is I'm getting used to the four four walls of my house, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to getting used to the four walls of a, an event room playing some Keyforge at some point in the future. Oh, yes. And to our listeners, I say it will not be long. It will happen and... <laughs> We will appreciate it all the more. <laughs> you you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ed Pocock promising the vaccine for Keyforge players first, which is uh, an awfully strange move, but you know, I I won't argue it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Magic players they can they can wait. They oh can no! Wait for, uh, <laughs> the end of the queue. <laughs> Keyforge, however, <laughs> uh, I hope we don't get any more popular. Ed, then we'll have to answer to actual Magic players. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, rumor has it Fantasy Flight Games is actually funding the vaccine, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where Vault Warrior went. All that prize money went to uh, went to the vaccine. Oh my goodness! So shady, Zach. So shady. <laughs> We're not a shady podcast. We promise. We are um, not. We are not. We are quite sunny. Quite sunny. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, with cloudy spells. Mm. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Ed? Well, Zach, I mean. We haven't really spoken about this before. You know, this is entirely, entirely off the cuff. But how do you feel about chatting about Keyforge as an RPG? An RPG? That sounds like something only total nerds do, Ed. Ew. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, like, who would do that? Seriously. No, I'd be, but seriously, wouldn't it be a good idea to have a Keyforge RPG? I, I think so. A Keyforge role-playing game would be an awful lot of fun. Uh, the Crucible oh, no. is... Wait, hang, hang on. W what's this? There appears to be a book here. Keyforge, oh. The Secrets of the Crucible. Ed, I, I have just glanced to my right, and I have a book with the exact same title. How strange. Goodness. This couldn't be a coincidence. Wow. The Crucible is working in mysterious ways. It really well, is. Well, listeners, it appears we don't need to create a new one because we already have a Keyforge RPG. <laughs> yes, it says a science fantasy campaign setting. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Look at all those colors, robots, people. Count me in. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we are going to dive in a little bit today about the lore 
um, that we come across in the RPG. Um, certainly a big colourful book can capture the world of Keyforge in ways that the card game is maybe a little bit too restricted to do and what an incredible setting it is. And Zach, I believe you are an avid player of the RPG system that this is based off. So um, are you going to teach me a little bit about the basics of getting set up as an RPG? I am. I am. And uh, on that note, Ed, uh, yes, this, the system is Genesis. It was used in the, some Star Wars RPGs for years. I've been running those for about seven years. So I'm very familiar. I'm very familiar with the system. And um, I've actually uh, kind of bookmarked two really awesome mechanics to talk about very generally um, about how they're very cool. They fit the Crucible and honestly, RPGs in general. But Ed, uh, I've got I've got a question for you before we dive into that. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got a question for you. It's a bit of a yeah. long form question. It's a bit of a long form question. So, Ed, it's 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 sunny. You know, the sun is reflecting off of the the amber as as uh, you are taking a bag of presents uh, across the forest to Chota Hazri, who's going to deliver them to uh, all the beings of all the beings of the crucible you are a top- really doubling down on the whole chota's father christmas here now, aren't we? <laughs> it's true it's true you are atop your faithful ancient bear playing your bear flute you've got you've got yeah. this large sack of presents and you you have to cross uh you have to cross uh, uh this bridge that uh, over a river that's uh okay uh, ahead of you and uh, as you come around this bridge usually no issue it's fairly remote but but today, unfortunately, you see the stump has been dragged into the middle of the bridge and there is a large troll with the deep kind of red-orange skin of a typical Brobnar giant. There's a large red troll sitting on this stump and they've got little reading glasses on the edge of their nose and they're, they're reading a book and there is a, 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 a badly painted sign that says, Passage 5 Amber. What do you do? Mm. As your, your, your bear growls a little bit, looks up at you, uh, looks up at you wondering, wondering what the play is here. Hmm. That's a, that's a very good question, Zach. I honestly, I have to be honest, I hadn't considered being in that situation before. So mm. this has caught me entirely off guard. <laughs> um, and if there's one thing I've learned about trolls on Reddit, it's if you feed them, they only reap and heal three damage. It's true. So I don't want to feed this troll lots of amber. But if there's another thing that I know about trolls through stereotypes and pop culture, um, it is that they are quite slow and quite stupid. So I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest maybe this troll doesn't know what Amber looks like, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna say to him or her or whoever, whatever gender the troll chooses to be, um, I have a bear flute. This is a flute that was made by the magical pixies of the wood. And this flute has in it the hope, the dreams, the ambition of a world of amber. And this is worth much more than the simple amber that you request of me. Mm. And, and I gift this to you because I know that you can, you can be something that you've never dreamed of being before. And I say all these mystical things that mean absolutely nothing at all, vague platitudes. <laughs> And I'm hoping that the troll is going to be enamored with this um, and uh, and accept my gift and allow me passage. The troll listens to you aptly, peering over the spectacles, putting its book down, uh, reaching for its hammer as you start to talk, but then just absorbing your words, looking at the flute and and roll some dice here. Oh, this is a success with a triumph and 
to threat. Uh, so you, so uh, what what this means in short is that you will succeed at fooling the troll. You have a triumph. Uh, so perhaps this troll is now a faithful friend uh, who you could call on for support later. But the to threat perhaps means um, uh, they are perhaps ravenous, and whenever they are around, they they will just kind of get in the way and have very bad table manners. Uh, so this troll takes the flute, thanks you, and then goes and starts practicing off on the side of the road, walking off into the woods as you and your bear continue on to Father Father Chodahazri here. <laughs> well, as long as uh, my friend uh, the troll doesn't eat my pet uh, Pampaka, then I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your your pet Pampaka is is good, is good and safe, uh, is good and safe riding along on the bear with you here. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> it was a heart-stopping moment. <laughs> yes, yes. So that is a that is a role-playing game. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, uh, it's essentially that. Usually, with uh, more than one person in, you know, the role of the player, like Ed was, um, and uh, you go on perhaps an extended adventure, maybe doing jobs for Chota Hazri, Martian elders, or or whomever else. Uh, so uh, we did not prep that beforehand, um, listeners. I I completely sprung that on ed so uh thank you ed for your <laughs> taking that into stride <laughs> you're welcome i'm sure we've edited out the response uh, <laughs> for the one of five that was the best one um i just i just that's funny so zach you've mentioned a couple of things there you've mentioned rpgs and you've mentioned that keyforge is a role-playing game but you've also mentioned this genesis system what uh, as someone that maybe is less familiar with role-playing games, what are those two things? What is the differentiation between them? And uh, what do I need to get started playing Keyforge, the, the role-playing game? Sure. So Genesis is the the system of rules that cons- that is a role-playing game that, that gives you rules for how to essentially play make-believe, but with, with dice. It's grown-up make-believe where... Um, if you want to do something simple like walk across the room, you know, you do that, no problem. You have a, a game master who who uh, f- tries to fairly, you know, arbitrate all that for you. But say you want to walk across the room, um, except the room is made of lava with, you know, quickly melting stone pillars that are disappearing, that are disappearing, and you've got to use your trusty grappling hook to try to swing across. Uh, there's a chance of failure there. So you would uh, look at the dice and roll some dice to see whether you succeed or fail. And often you will get better chances of succeeding if uh, if you have, let's say, a particularly good grappling hook or your character is particularly good at uh, tossing ropes at things or jumping across, uh, you know, small platforms. Um, and Genesis is a system of rules that when you have that question of will I succeed or will I fail, you look to this book and you figure out how to roll the dice to figure out do you succeed or do you fail. Uh, so that is that is the basics of it. The the overarching story that you and your friends would play together is totally up to uh, you all and the game master to work out together. The game master will often present a problem, uh, say perhaps a troll on a bridge who is in your way of making a delivery, uh, and then you as the players will determine how do we how do we deal with this? Do we try do we try to fight the troll? Do we try to give it our flute? Um, do we try to ford the river elsewhere? Um, and th- that part of the story is all the way up to the players. Uh, it's f- fairly easy to do this over Zoom nowadays, uh, if you are still in an area uh, where you need to be uh, physically distancing. Uh, however, it is great fun in, in person as well. So Genesis has been around for a number of years. It started not by that name, but it started as the Star Wars role-playing game system. 
um, closing in on a decade ago, maybe seven years, uh, eight years now. And uh, it, it uses a fairly unique mechanic that we won't get into terribly here. We'll just say you'd get positive dice and negative dice, and, and some of the, the negative symbols and positive symbols cancel each other out. Um, and then whatever you have more of left over uh, helps determine what exactly will happen. And uh, after the FFG system, they came up with Genesis, the, the setting neutral system where you can do anything, not just Star Wars with it. And then eventually, of course, they came out with the Keyforge book, which adds a couple rules and gives lots of information on the setting uh, for the players to get to know and the GM and the GM to read. So if you're interested in it, what you would need is uh, the Genesis role playing game book. Definitely start out with that. Uh, a few sets of dice, which you, you won't need if you are doing it remotely, of course. Uh, and then you will need uh, at least a total of three friends. Uh, two is two is okay too, but one to be the game master, uh, the biggest nerd who likes to do their nerd homework and and invent things with their mind and then arbitrate how rules work. Uh, give that person the book; they'll brush up on most of the rules. All the players should too. Um, it is available in PDF form as well. Uh, and then the book does include, uh, I'm fairly certain, a starter adventure where you can. Um, you can just do a starter adventure. The GM doesn't have to do any prep. Really, you just walk through the adventure together as you all get used to doing the system. If you are a fan of Star Wars, uh, you absolutely have to get uh, the beginner games for Star Wars, either Edge of the Empire beginner game or the Force and Destiny beginner game. I would highly recommend the uh, the Edge of the Empire beginner game. That is an absolute treat of an introduction to role-playing games in general and this system in particular. Uh, that really helps the GM learn the ropes and shows the player how the mechanics work uh, really one at a time with a very narrative first approach. They ask questions about, okay, you're in a cantina, you're running away. How do you run away? How do you hide? And then they introduce the mechanics from there. So that's how I would say to get started if somebody was wondering. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And to be very, very high level about it um you know me googling trying to understand what are these rpg systems and is dungeons and dragons an rpg system turns out it is yeah. and what's the difference between that and something like the genesis role-playing system i i mean from a very crude level i read that the genesis role-playing system is much more narrative focused and less mathematical is that a fair approximation zach or or would you bring more nuance to, to the uh the description I would say it's about halfway fair. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, if people are familiar, you roll a single 20-sided die and then add some numbers to that to see whether you succeed or fail. Uh, the Genesis system, and Dungeons and Dragons, of course, tied to a fantasy setting, kind of your make or choosing. And the Genesis system, it is certainly more narrative, but I wouldn't say there's necessarily a lot less math because you have to count up symbols, cancel out symbols, and the character building, it is highly modular. You can really build whatever you want, socially focused, exploration focused, combat focused. But uh, it, it ends up, the math can add up a bit. So you can play a very simple character if you want to, and you don't have to worry about much math. Or you can really get into the deep end with gear that augments your abilities in particular ways and gives you this one extra thing in this one specific situation. Um, so uh, you can actually get this to be a bit of a complicated math system, or you can play it simple. Or you can play it simple if you want. And for anyone sort of getting getting scared of you know the the amount that they'd need to learn or do to sort of be able to get this to the table, would you say that this is something that is easy to get to the table, or you know are there are there worries founded? 
Oh goodness. Uh, I would say th- there aren't there aren't worries. Um, the worries that will crop up if you're a player is uh, looking silly in front of your friends. However, part of the pact of a role playing game is that all of you will look silly in front of each other at some point. So do something silly. Tr- see if something works. If it doesn't, that's fine. It was probably hilarious. And if you're the game master. Uh, That does take some practice. However, it is fully within your reach, like anything else, with some practice. And if you're new, uh, just make sure that, you know, one, your your players have some have some grace for you. And two, uh, that you just ask for uh, ask for feedback. The first time I was running games, I didn't I I very much just didn't really put any missions in front of my players. They were just kind of bopping around Star Wars going wherever they sort of figured out to go. And after a few sessions, they said, yeah, it's fun, but like could you make sure we have some sort of like mission or task in front of us to go do? And I'm like, you know, that's, that's really smart. could actually give the, you know, this group some, some direction. So after that, I started to figure out what sort of jobs could these people find? What sort of adversaries would come across their path they want to take out instead of just, you know, letting them run around a planet, you know, uh, betting, betting on one of the party members getting into a boxing match and other, other silly things. And I guess every group's going to be different in what they want, but if they've got the toolbox to, yeah, make it what they want to make it as a, any good RPG should be, then isn't that amazing? Yes, yes. Most uh, most people's first games, if this would be a first game, uh, I, it's what I like to call, the, the format is what I like to call, you know, you're essentially the A-team, if you're familiar with the American TV show, where you are a group of, of essentially mercenaries, but maybe you have exploration or social skills mixed in there as well. And your group gets hired out by people to do uh, to do different jobs across the land or the galaxy or or wherever. Um, it's also fun if you all decide you want to be a specific kind of group. Say in the Crucible, you want to be a, a group of Martian soldiers who were on a mission gone wrong, and now you are far away from any uh, Martian ruled land, and you have to find one, figure out where you are, and then find your way back home, um, and perhaps. Perhaps along the way, you discover that the rest of the Crucible isn't as bad as you were told. You know, something like that. It can also be very rewarding when everybody kind of has, uh, you have uh, this unifying purpose for for the group overall, if everyone is into it, of course. Yeah, and I, I guess Keyforge as a setting is nice, whimsical, fun, um, and very unique. So diving into it, it makes a good RPG setting, particularly if so- someone's familiar with the card game. You can, I, I suppose, bring in characters that people are familiar with. Sure, sure. And uh, I think the book makes it makes it clear, Ed, that we've read so far, while it's whimsical, the book doubles down on the fact that the Crucible is still very dangerous. Uh, there are, you know, there are there are, are fights, there are animals, there are mysterious places that, that may do you harm if you if you don't walk through them correctly. Uh, the Crucible is a very intense place, the book tells us, I think. That trolls one dodgy troll. <laughs> yes, watch out for trolls with bear flutes. They are uh, they are particularly nasty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So with the secrets of the crucible, many of you may know if you saw people discussing this in different places online, uh, that there is a lot of extra information about the world of the crucible. This amalgam of an artificial world where the architects uh, who honestly might seem like low-key supervillains to me, have taken peoples and chunks of worlds and just melded them together on the Crucible. It's impossibly large. It is impossibly diverse. Um, new places are being added all the time, and who knows how 
uh, how that's being done. So the Secrets of the Crucible gives us a lot more really cool information about some people and places on the Crucible. And Ed, I believe you have taken a dive into the setting parts of this book and found some pretty interesting things. So what what are some of the setting bits of information in the Secrets of the Crucible book here that have really just tickled your fancy and 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 made you go made you awe at the 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 wideness of the Crucible? Mm, I certainly have, and I would definitely urge anyone that loves the setting of this game, whether you have any inclination to try out the RPG or not, definitely get the book. It is a, a beautiful book. It's definitely crafted with a lot of love and just the amount of depth that they've gone into about the setting. It was uh, We know already that it was an inspiration for uh, the book Tales of the Crucible that uh, we, we spoke to Lottie about a little while ago on, on, on the uh, podcast. And just I, I can't do it justice, Zach, but what I can do is talk about some of the highlights in this book. And um, we, we have two new, otherwise unseen in the card game, houses that have come up in this rpg that that i'm excited to see replicated in the card game but first of all i'm going to talk about a a species that we haven't yet to my knowledge anyway seen in the card game yeah and this is the silicates um and they are super super cute so picture this you've got a little rock creature um which has got a lot of gems coming out of its back um it's all made of rock and minerals, so no organic stuff at all. Um, and it's, it's, it wears its heart on its sleeve, so it's got an open heart, essentially. Um, and they live so long, but they're just happy to be on the crucible because the world they come from is not as easy to inhabit. So they're very, very friendly creatures and um, very, very gentle and I, I I like the sound of them. They're very, very helpful. Um, and they can survive pretty much anything. And honestly, I want to be around a few silicates this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, they are they are very cool, and they come alongside uh, they come alongside the the fill, I believe, which are essentially the sentient uh, a sentient plant version as well. Yeah, day of the triffids, but slightly less menacing, yes. I think. <laughs> yes, but uh, I share your affection for for the silicates. They seem awfully charming, um, and a whole lot of fun role playing possibilities if you are simply you know a, a being whose body is all is all rock, uh, you know, perhaps you can drop through things awfully quickly or, or um, be flung, be flung by a device a party member has devised to fling yourself through a wall somewhere far away. It's all, all sorts, all sorts of hilarious things could be done if you're playing a rock person. I think so. I think so. They are marvelous beings and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing them in the game. Um, but I, I can't I can't really control myself anymore. I have to dive into the houses because, I mean, you know, we all know that houses are such such a central component of Keyforge as a game. And um, to see two new ones in the book was yeah massively exciting. And just thinking about some of the mechanics that could be put to those those uh, those houses in the game mm-hmm. that would make them flavorful. 
that makes them just, you know, part of the game as much as your Sanctum, your Dis, your Shadows, anything else. Um, and what was, I think, shocking for, for Zach and I, um, for, for both of us in the, uh, <laughs> yes. with our Danny interview yes. where, yeah, it was before the announcement of the forthcoming set where he, he announced that House Unfathomable which is coming up in Dark Tidings, we were expecting one of these houses to be the next house in the game. Right. And yet they've come out with another one. So will we see these houses in the game? I think Danny gave a, a, a slight nod to that being the case in the future. And um, I'm, I'm very excited. So, so one of the houses I think is the perfect antidote to 2020. And this is house inspired. So Amber, it looks pretty cool, right? It's a gemstone. These guys, these guys and girls, the inspired make everything about Amber. So they go through phases of worshipping Amber. They are essentially, I'd say, a, a nice cult. It's like yoga slash occult on the crucible kind of thing. <laughs> and you see, you see Martians, you see Brobnar, everyone's in it. Everyone's in it. Well, not everyone. But they go on a journey and they go on a journey to kind of find themselves through the amber and they meditate on this amber to, to kind of find the meaning in, in themselves and the amber. And, and if you're traversing across the crucible, you might find one of the inspired wandering along on their journey. And I think their first phase of meditation is situated in one place. It is uh, trying to understand what's going on with the amber and being close to it. And then they move, they do, essentially do an amber pilgrimage across the crucible to wherever the wind takes them. Um, and no one knows quite what happens to the inspired when uh, when they, they finish their meditation on the amber. Some say they simply drift away into another, into another state of consciousness. So um, they are... A very interesting, interesting uh, um, house, and it's really nice, I think, to see a house not centered around violence as well. Mm. To see a house that's centered around, you know, belonging, uh, actually, kind of having a positive mental attitude um, and uh, taking taking care of one's oneself. I, I I really like that. It strikes a good chord with me. What do you think about the inspired Zach? Yes, uh, I, I do think you've sold me on them more as we've talked about them since they since they came out some some time ago in this book, and I do I do like that they are you know not combat focused. However, they are still very intent, and they still have a co they still have a cohesion as a group. They have temples. They are you know a strongly organized religion with with tenets and then variability inside their religion that the the book talks about it says they do you know train their bodies uh for you know either uh, in self-defense in case uh, as they go on these pilgrimages across the across the crucible um to to focus and meditate and, and have self-defense perhaps be a part of that so they really have they really have quite an intense identity and all of the members have like a piece of amber that's their piece of amber whether it's embedded into their body worn on a necklace and a ring headband any you know anything like that so they're a lot of fun, um, and I think they could certainly go in a very unique mechanical direction uh, if and when yeah. they're introduced introduced into into the game. Do you have any mechanics in mind, Zach? Oh, oh goodness, um, oh goodness, maybe uh, perhaps they don't. 
uh, fight very well, but the way they do board control is perhaps through stunning and taking control of creatures, which uh, Mars did a little bit, but perhaps uh, these would be kind of even smaller or easier to take out creatures, um, except the way they're going to interact with your board and keep your board down is through uh, maybe stunning, exhausting, and uh, strategic taking away of of creatures. Uh, that may, mm. uh, or maybe it's a send on a pilgrimage, you know, action card purge, uh, purge a enemy creature. Um, and so narrative, you know, you're purging it mechanically, but narratively it's like, Oh, you've convinced, uh, you've convinced this person to go out on their own pilgrimage. So they left in the middle of the match. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, I guess Sanctum have got their zealots and their, their acolytes, but, um, this is, this is something else entirely. I, I, Part of me wonders whether they could do a sort of phase of the pilgrimage and show the journey through the game, um, almost like an evolution of, uh, of 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 the characters or or artifacts. Um, and I think we've seen this a bit with you know cards that you put counters on, but you could see you know as you put a certain number of counters on something, as a certain number of turns go by, the effects change or or as they they meditate and as they go through this journey yeah yeah we've seen uh, we've seen a similar mechanic in a few other card games and then when they tried it out with uh, igon the green and igon the terrible uh you know amazing. it was more terrible than green <laughs> <laughs> mechanically yes uh narratively just so cool so interesting yeah, uh, but a relatively underwhelming two slots in your deck uh mechanically mm. yeah but still worth it for the theme. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. Do it, yeah. do it for the theme. I think is probably uh, something that gets chanted in the designer's room for Keyforge on a regular basis. Absolutely. And it's something we certainly would encourage. Um, yeah. And, and Ed, when you, when you uh, introed the house, you said a house perfect for 2020. And I immediately assumed it was the other one because of flight and getting away and getting above it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I see that as well. I'm I'm uh, I'm taking the more yogi route here. I think of going, um, yeah. Um, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Pretend it's not happening. Um, I, I mean, I'd like to see somewhere that isn't my home right now. Actually, to be honest, but um, <clears throat> the next house is the Skyborn, and these are literally sky pirates sky pirates yeah how cool is that <laughs> and I, I believe uh, i actually believe they have a whole lot of um of sub uh subgroups of people i think there are quite a few pirates uh but i think there are there are performers as well yeah it's 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 an it's amazing that you know i mean you have me at sky pirates ffg mm -hmm. but they've they've taken this and there's a lot of depth within it as well you're absolutely right zach there's there's i think five subgroups of different types of of skyborne mm -hmm. um and uh, if i may share a quote from inca the spider the most quoted spider in the whole of the crucible probably um <laughs> inca says wonderful people uh but don't get between them and their ships always remember that the sky is their life. Indeed, some of the Skyborn never set foot on the ground yeah. ever in their lives, which I think is incredible, you know, to, to think that there are beings that have such different life experiences within the Crucible. And um, um, and, and they do this for, for many different reasons as well. 
Um, you know, and we've we've certainly seen a little bit of the the Skyborn already, haven't we, Zach? In the card, the Red Baron. Yes, that's right. Whose art is in this section under the section Raptrix. Yes, and that is, I think, so because it looks like the Red Baron is part of the the Raptrix group here, and this is one of the Skyborn organizations where they fly in a solitary fashion. So. Um, their ships will be for one or for two, and they will they will sail the skies alone. Mm-hmm. And that's compared to uh, one or two of the other organizations where they they sail on these huge ships um, and have have big communities. In fact, there's even one ship that is pretty much a city in the sky. And uh, word on the crucible is that if, if it comes over where you are, you, you can't even see the light anymore because this sky city is so big that, that it, uh, it blocks it all out. Yes, yeah, Cirrus, they're, they're an entire group of just people who live on the gargantuan floating, uh, almost a subcontinent, basically. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see some uh, some Keyforge set there. I think that would be <laughs> that would be fascinating. Um, but the skies are not free from dangers, are they, Zach? No, they they are not. Sometimes, if your luck is particularly bad, uh, you might run into an Amber Drake. And uh, I wonder what group of people you might want to call on if if an Amber Drake comes across your path. Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong game. Drakebusters. Drakebusters. <laughs> Uh, yeah, go ahead and steal that for your RPG group's uh, next name. We're the Drake Busters. It's it's corny. It's it's fun. Just take it, take it, and go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you would probably want some halyards, wouldn't you? Yes, the halyards, the essentially the the whalers and tradespeople of the skies and the crucible. I think. And tradespeople always have to be careful. They always have to be careful to protect their goods. So that is exactly what they do from the quite terrifying looking Amber Drakes. So um, unfortunately, we also have some bad guys in the sky. And it sounds like not all pirates are good. And um, there are certainly... Yeah, I know. Who could have have seen it coming? This is my shot Um, face. There are indeed sky pirates, uh, members of the Skyborn that prey on other members of the Skyborn, and perhaps the Red Baron has fallen foul to sky pirates in 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 his or her time on the sailing the skies of the Crucible. Yes, yeah. There's an awful lot of different takes on people who live in the sky here, so I can't wait to see how they. Uh, how they kind of meet that out um, if and when I, we get the Skyborn in, in Keyforge, which, oh my gosh, I really hope I do. And Ed, I hope there is a gigantic creature that is an Amber Drake with a full with its coming and, and, and everything. And that would just be, that would just be so cool. Just be so cool to see them in Keyforge. Well, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, narratively speaking, let's say, hypothetically set five went deep underwater and we saw the darkest deepest depths of the crucible and then they might want to in set six you know take to the skies and see what's up in the air i think i Mm. think that's a compelling proposition and if it doesn't work out i will never mention it again but if it does (laughs) i will reference this for the for the end of time to until at least set eight (laughs) not not a bad prediction ed i like it 
I like it. And that, that would be very key for very FFG to, uh, to pair some sets like that. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And we, we, uh, we referenced, I think, Tales of the Crucible, the, the first Keyforge anthology earlier, but there's a beautiful story in that where it's, it's all about loss and dealing with the loss of a, a friend that has decided that the sky is their calling. They're a member of the Skyborn and they can't be anywhere else. And um, there are some really beautiful stories. I, I definitely do encourage people to, to read that. So mo- moving on, we, we definitely, one thing we don't really capture in the game of Keyforge very much is what does it look like? Where are things? And I'm not even going to spoil it for people, but there is a beautiful map in here of the local group, which is just one small part of the Crucible, but it really does capture the wild uh, adventure that is the Crucible. You know, one place there could be a cone of madness, but it's right next to a forest, which is right below some mountains. And then there's, yeah, it's it's just, it's crazy. There's weird stuff everywhere. And you take one step and you've moved from, from, from one place to another. Um, I get the feeling that the sense of adventure on the Crucible is, is always there. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it really is. It's nice to have a map and they also don't limit themselves because it's so big that they say this is just one area. You know, this this place is so huge that there really is uh, narratively an infinite amount of space to to develop more content. Absolutely. But some of the places they do te- detail give us a really decent understanding, I think, of of just what it's like to live on the Crucible. They detail Quantum City. This is... um essentially where the spaceship for the star alliance crash landed and they built a city around around their spaceship obviously in the hope that someday they will get home and this can be contrasted with salt city which is literally a city underwater on the back of a a giant whale or i believe it's called something else mm-hmm. uh, on the back of a Shilonyx, which is essentially a giant whale. Yes, yes. And the whole city is made out of salt, and um, it is a home for the Silic, which are, I believe, a race that we haven't seen yet in Keyforge. So perhaps the Unfathomable will uh, will uh, make, make clear um, some of the Silic may be part of the Unfathomable, but this just sounds like an incredible city and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it at some point. Yes. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are a lot of cool ones um, that is, is, you know, listed just a few entries away from the world tree that that rare artifact from just call of the mm. archives. I believe it's it's been brought up in a few of our deck discovery episodes, uh, but there's an entire section on the world tree as a as an area, as a being as this kind of like next level higher mind. Uh, so yeah, lots of, lots of really fun concepts in here. You can really pick anywhere to you know, put an adventure and have a unique, very cool, interesting adventure um, in, in the crucible with really any of these cities. They're, they're very varied. They're very varied. Awesome. So without further ado, I think we should just encourage you to go out and check out secrets of the crucible yourself and to even invent new secrets of the crucible because the crucible is a place i think that is just waiting to be explored and made your own 
Yes, it's true. Uh, and Ed, I do want to mention uh, quickly uh, two mechanical mm. aspects in this book. Uh, I'll keep it short. Yeah. You know, not everyone will take a deep dive into these. But if you're an RPG nerd and if you've at least glanced at Genesis, uh, this book has two amazing mechanical additions to the system that are a bit of a game changer. Uh, so the first thing is that, uh, of course, you can pick any species you want to. Like we mentioned, the silicates, you can be a Martian soldier or a Martian elder. Uh, you can be a human. You can be a robot. However, uh, there are rules in here for species creation where you can be ethereal. You can have tentacles. Uh, there are. Oh, gosh, let me count the categories real quick. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, ten categories. Uh, that you can choose from to make a completely custom species. And Ed, you know what my favorite part of their entire little species making system is? I do not. Uh, each of each of these 10 categories have different things you can pick, and they have little tables where you can roll randomly and make a completely randomly generated species. Ooh, so Zach, could you give me a randomly generated species? Yes, a shout out to uh, the makers of the Candlebot, uh, which has this randomly generated uh, species. I believe ML Vanby uh, is the mastermind behind that. So I'm hitting enter on this Candlebot. All right, we have a uh, bodiless incorporeal uh, being. So this is uh, this being will be some sort of uh, floating mass of sentient gas. Uh, they are silhouette two, which means they are about twice the size of a normal humanoid. So they are a large body of gas. Their locomotion is translocation, which means they can warp short distances. Uh, they manipulate the things in the world. Uh, they have to be assisted. So this thing perhaps materializes or carries around some sort of device that helps them actually, you know, uh, shake a hand or pick up a thing. They are predominantly visual in how they sense things. Uh, they are vulnerable to something specific that you would pick, like perhaps vacuums or fans. Uh, and they are highly scholarly with highly advanced tech. Um, and they, uh, culturally or another aspect they have is ornamented. So, uh, essentially from random rolling, we have a sentient, uh, incorporeal bodiless, large warping high tech, uh, person. Of, of some kind that you could play if you wanted to just by rolling randomly and seeing and seeing what you get. Um, so check it out. It's a very cool system. It's very robust. Uh, and it's um, it really just opens up a world of possibility for for playing in this system and not just Keyforge. Awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward to having a play around with this myself. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, I love the procedures. Yeah. I love the procedurally generated aspect of Keyforge. So bringing that across to the RPG certainly makes sense. Yes. And then the, the other system, which I'll just mention because it's a little too complicated to even get into, is there's a system governing crafting of special weapons, armor, and utility bits. And the rules are extensive. In, in the Keyforge Crucible game here, it is for what you can do with Amber and the special items you can make with Amber. Um, and the utility part especially has so many options and has pretty great rules for either if you're making a spell or a specialized tool or a psychic power uh, or a vehicle. It's um, it's really, really wide. It's worth a GM's time to dive into that, get to know that so they can help their players, help their players uh, make weird and wonderful things uh, for their role playing all across the Crucible or another setting, if you like. Awesome. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, of course. It was my due diligence to any GMs out there. It is 
this book is getting lots of attention, even in the Genesis, just uh, apart from Keyforge and the Genesis communities online. This book got a lot of attention for those two rule sets. So definitely go check it out. Well, Secrets of the Crucible, thank you so much for joining us today. It was lovely to have you on as a guest. So, uh, yeah, we hope to see you again soon. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, uh, it's just uh, I love having pages and stuff, so I'll see you later. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great having you. We'll see you. Well, actually, no, I don't think we're bringing them back for Deck Discovery. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it might might just be a one-episode job, to be honest. I mean, um, I mean a so- solid episode, literally. <laughs> did you just punch our guest ed ed <laughs> come on well it wouldn't be the first time <laughs> sorry sky jedi <laughs> he's a jedi he can hack it <laughs> it's true it's true thank you ladies gentlemen archons all for joining us today to talk about the secrets of the crucible role-playing game a supplementary book for the genesis role-playing system. Uh, I think we covered quite a bit about the Genesis role-playing game system here with a bit of an example talking about the system itself, but please do not hesitate to reach out to me either on Twitter at Zach, uh, Z-A-C-H underscore legweek, Zach underscore legweek, or on Discord. I'm in many of the Discords. You could just ask somebody uh, to ping me if you can't find me on there if you would like to talk about these role-playing games figure out where to get started have me send you some links to just some different things uh, i will also shout out uh, there is a group that sky jedi who's been on the cast before sky jedi has made a lot of tools for this role-playing game system so shout out to him and shout out to a group rpg sessions who has taken on some of his bigger projects as they're going to go maintain it and um, increase it they have tons of online resources for running games in the genesis system so definitely, definitely go, definitely go check that out. Let us know what you'd like to see more or less of in future shows. You can do that by emailing us at podcast at callofdiscovery.com. That's podcast at callofdiscovery.com. Uh, or of course, the aforementioned uh, hitting either of us up on uh, Twitter or Discord. We do ask that if you are enjoying Call of Discovery, uh, leave a review. If you leave a particularly flowery one like Shap Station did a few months ago, we will read it out on the air for all to hear. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, uh, and the aforementioned email. But most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy Call of Discovery, please help them to discover it. And lastly, dear listener, the question you must ask if you are going to venture out into the wild and wonderful crucible Have you answered the call of discovery?